The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I forgot to run those polls I said I was going to run yesterday, but I guess I can do them today. So we don't have that to go over. But luckily, we didn't need extra stuff for today's show. Because coming up here in just a few minutes, after we push our way through a Wednesday recap, we have a chat with our good buddy, David Williams, host of the Hoopball Grizzlies podcast. That's coming up mid-show. We'll try to figure out why the Grizzlies are such a pain in the butt. To figure out from a fantasy standpoint, I guess aside from a couple of key guys. So, David, coming up mid-program, this is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hoop ball is hoop-ball.com. That's the actual website. And at hoopballfantasy is the Twitter news feed, which I once again will tell you you must follow if you want your up-to-the-minute news on all things fantasy-related, such as this morning, suspensions in the Lakers-Raptors kerfuffle. Freddie Van Vliet, DeAndre Bembry, each suspended one game. Taylor Horton, uh, Horton Tucker on the Lakers' side suspended as well. Uh, Andre Drummond, we've seen him now ruled in for the Lakers for their ball, gum, their ball game tonight. I'm having some trouble speaking this morning. And all of that and more. Kem Birch, for instance, waved and then now expected to sign with the Raptors. All of that coming through quickly, fastest, first to the table. That's Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter. The theme of the last couple weeks has been the recruiting pitch. We'll keep our foot on the gas on that one. We continue to look for contributors here at Hoopball to our season-long and DFS fantasy operations. If you are good at either of those and have thought, you know what, I want to bust my butt and I want to become a personality in the fantasy landscape, and again, you got to be willing to put the time in, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. We're working our way through all the folks that have written in so far, so if you've sent something and we haven't gotten back to you, it's more than likely just because we haven't had time yet, but I promise we will. We will. Um... Let's dive in on the uh, the Wednesday stuff. It was a relatively large Wednesday, not an overwhelming one. But I'll be honest, we're into one of those mini lulls again where we've sort of slipped back into streamer zone. The beauty of the NBA season is that everything is this constant ebb and flow. You go through a week, week and a half where guys are emerging, and then you go through a few days where you're sort of working around the edges, you're trying to figure out what actually fits on your team, streamers are popping up, you make those moves. We're kind of in one of those pockets right now. Well, let's just start pouring through, and we'll address these things when we get to that. Minnesota lost at Indiana, tight ball game. Uh, Wolves were actually, they finished as a very slight favorite because the Pacers were without... Everybody. Uh, no Demonis Sabonis, no Malcolm Brogdon, no Miles Turner on the Indiana side. And so this created a very uh, artificial pocket of value for a couple of guys. 
Notably, Jeremy Lamb's actually played relatively well here with a bunch of guys out, but his minutes are still quite low. I think a lot of that does have to do with the fact that he's probably just not going to be fully healthy this season, and then I wonder if ever. But more so, Goga Batadze, the backup to the backup center, the assistant to the general manager, Goga Batadze, 14-3-5 with a steal, a block, and two three-pointers. If Miles Turner and Damanis Sabonis miss another ball game, I think Goga you can put on the better stream him quick. And then, you know, certainly TJ McConnell, who is already startable, gets a power boost anytime Malcolm Brogdon is out. On the Minnesota side, there actually was something of, of some note in this ball game. For one, Jaden McDaniels finally didn't get into foul trouble, so he had a slightly better ball game at eight and seven with a couple of steals and a three-pointer. You still, I think, have to like his outlook going forward. Uh, Ricky Rubio was perhaps the most interesting part of this number. He had 30 minutes, 17 points, 7 assists, 3 steals, 5 rebounds for Ricky. Actually took 11 shots, 9 free throws. Pretty surprising stuff. D'Angelo Russell, I know, is on a minutes limit. But it's notable that D'Lo played 24 minutes and basically none of them came at the expense of Ricky Rubio. Who lost minutes? Well, all of the peripheral guys. You know, Jalen Knowles been hurt, so that's part of it. It was pretty easy to just give D'Lo his 24 bench minutes. And it seemed like, and you know, when D'Angelo Russell's in there, he he is playing some point. He is doing some orchestrating, but he's also playing quite a bit off ball, which from a an offensive standpoint, and, and maybe this is Chris Finch looking at the numbers and saying, this dude should not be our primary ball handler. He should be a scorer. And I wonder, and, you know, optimally, or optimistically, or possibly both, D'Angelo Russell's minutes will trend up, be 24 here for a couple of ball games, and then 25, and then 27, and he'll work his way into starters minutes, we assume, probably skipping some back-to-backs, if I had to guess. But I do wonder if this ball game, and it could be just this night against this opponent with TJ McConnell on the floor, or whatever it is that led to this ending or this uh body i wonder if ricky rubio can actually hold on to value i think a lot of us were at least strongly considering the pre-drop on ricky and then we held on in a couple of places i think i held on in one or two leagues at most I, i do still think that you know he was barely putting up fantasy value without D'Angelo Russell. I got to think that as D'Lo gets back into the starting lineup, which presumably is going to happen, and then maybe you might see them, you know, like a maybe in this one, Jake Lehman was in the starting lineup. So maybe he goes to the bench. Jaden McDaniels goes back to playing power forward instead of small forward or whatever flip-flop you want to call on those two guys, and and D'Lo slides in without Rubio having to exit stage left because Malik Beasley's out for a while now. Uh, but if those two guys share the floor, it's going to hurt Rubio. And, and the fortunate thing here is that basically Rubio was on the floor when D'Angelo Russell was not. So there were like 24-ish minutes where Rubio was the de facto point guard, and then there were, whatever it is, six to ten minutes of overlap where it ended up being a bit more of a share. So I do think ultimately this does ding Rubio, but it's possible that this bought a few more games while D'Angelo Russell's ramping up that Ricky can still have some value. So perhaps don't pre-drop, but if you did, don't freak out because this was 
one of Rubio's best games of the entire season, so you know the next one isn't going to be quite this good. Bradley Beal made his return for Washington. He said he's dealing with some weird nerve stuff in his hip right now. That doesn't augur well, but he did play. He did have 26 points, and Washington did win, so, you know, I guess we'll take it. Russell Westbrook, another triple-double. He was actually really good in this ballgame. You guys know that I would love to knock him if there was something to knock. He had one of his better games of the season. Not that surprisingly, it came against the Orlando Magic. Davis Bertans had 22 points in 20 minutes. This is a, a this is a sell high, if ever there was one. We're still watching to see if his minutes can trend up a little bit. That's the way that this thing pans out. He's going to get over-rostered based on big performances in low-minute situations, because I think he's hit something like 12, 11 to 13 three-pointers in his last two ball games. but he's only played 40 minutes in those games. So he's hot right now, and that's notable, but he needs to be on the floor more. You know, he's only had 19 shots in those two games. The fact that he's hit like two-thirds of them, and they've all been from downtown, it does tend to skew the numbers a little bit. We need Davis to get into the mid to high 20s. It's got to happen, but Rui Hachimura also came back in this ballgame, and that puts a lid, most likely, on Davis's minutes because it doesn't seem like they really want to run him at center all that much. He's just getting cooked when they've tried those lineups. So yeah, you can add him if you want, but just understand that you know this is, this is a heater. This is a prototypical heater someone's on, and we need... You know, short term, if he stays hot for another game or two, great. Maybe you capitalize on that. But if he cools off and only plays 19 and a half minutes, it's going to get ugly quick. You know, what if he goes two for 11 instead of six for 11 in this ballgame? What if it levels off? What are you talking about then? Eight, nine points and nothing else? Denny Avdi has been playing better lately. Uh, Seemed to maybe get some confidence while Beal was out. This is about the most he's done when Beal and Westbrook have both been in in a ball game. That's another dude who's been wildly over-rostered all season long. Anyway, I don't I don't think you're missing out on a whole lot if you did or did not pick up that guy. Over on the Orlando side, Kem Birch played 16 minutes and then was released this morning, which opens up, I would venture to say, 16 power forward and center minutes on this team. And that's good because we do need a bit of a thinning of the herd in Orlando. This was, by all accounts, more or less a blowout of a ball game. Not not entirely, but you know. All right, let, let me let, let's go back kind of the beginning on the Orlando side. The best thing we can do with the Magic, and this was our homework assignment game, because I do think Orlando is a spot where maybe something can turn. Terrence Ross, Chuma Okiki played what you'd call starter-level minutes. I know T. Ross likes to come off the bench, but he played starter-level minutes. Those guys both cleared 30. Wendell Carter Jr. started, but only played 23 minutes in this ballgame. Mo Bamba came off the bench, played 25 backup center minutes, and was great. If those two guys slip into a timeshare, Bamba's the guy you're looking at. He can put up stats in 20 to 25 minutes. Wendell Carter Jr. needs more like 28 to get to his markers in general. Okay, for now, well, what does that mean, I guess, is the question. For now, you stick with one of Carter Jr. because he's starting, but if the tides turn, be ready. What about the point guard and or shooting guard spot and or small forward, frankly? James Ennis got the start, played 18 terrible minutes. Dwayne Bacon also got a start, also played 18 terrible minutes. Off the bench, 
By the way, I guess I should also mention Michael Carter-Williams got the start at point guard, actually was quite good in his 20 minutes of this ballgame, despite missing a bunch of free throws, had four steals, a block, four rebounds, five assists. He's, I would say he's a points league guy, but he only played 20 minutes. And you can't count on him putting up those types of numbers in 20 minutes in every ballgame. Where does that leave us? Well, R.J. Hampton played 27 bench minutes, largely at the shooting guard spot. Cole Anthony played 26 bench minutes, largely at the point guard spot. And then Jason Randall got the remaining two minutes that weren't accounted for in our math. Do I pick up Cole Anthony is the question I'm sure you guys are asking me. My answer is probably not. There is a world where he works himself into points league value. He and Michael Carter-Williams are probably going to largely split the point guard minutes, at least in the short term. I do think that over the remaining games, you probably see less and less Carter-Williams and more Cole Anthony. Just based on the way this game went, it seems like the trend line points towards Anthony getting to do a little bit more. But he wasn't really hitting fantasy value even when he was starting earlier this year, back when just Markel Fultz was hurt and Michael Carter-Williams. Those guys were both out, and so Anthony kind of had the point guard job. Yes, he was sharing usage with much better ball players, Aaron Gordon, Nico Vucevic, Evan Fournier at that point, although I think Fournier might have even been out for most of those games. So he will have more usage now, and usage is value, but percentages are going to be bad. We saw he doesn't get a ton of defensive stats. He doesn't shoot the three ball all that well. So you're looking at basically points and assists. That points me towards points leagues. I kind of have a similar feel for R.J. Hampton, who in, again, we don't have much of a sample size on either of these dudes. I would argue we probably have a better idea of what to expect from R.J. Hampton than we do from Cole Anthony, if only because the Anthony data we've collected so far largely came when he was uh, not a feature player in the offense. And he had some games in there where he wasn't terrible. He, you know, uh, February 5th, he played 33 minutes at 17-9 and nine with two steals and a couple of three-pointers. You know, there was a stretch in there where he played seven, eight games in a row. He was playing big starters minutes, but he wasn't getting steals. He wasn't hitting the three ball. And um, he's okay at the free throw line. That's not a knock, but he's shooting 37.5% from the field. So he's probably going to obliterate your field goal percent, which is why, again, I gravitate towards a points format. You know, if he just starts chucking, you might see a guy who averages 15, 16 points and six assists. That's pretty good if you don't need anything else. If you need some steals, probably not going to be the guy to get him. I know he had a couple games in there where he had two, but he also had more than that where he had zero. These are 30-minute performances. You can't really blame playing alongside Vooch for why he didn't get many steals or blocks. I just don't think that's going to be in his fantasy profile. This is a guy who's going to need colossal usage and an improved field goal percent to get up and over the hurdle. I don't know that he ever plays 32 minutes this year. Even if as a starter, Michael Carter-Williams is probably going to get at least 16 most games. Like, there's just, there's sort of no point to play Cole Anthony 36 minutes a night your first round pick when there's nothing to play for an extra three or four minutes, every ball game or five or six minutes, every ball game, that's more likely to hurt him physically than it is to help him grow his game. There's almost no difference. 
play 28 minutes, play 32. Uh, so I look at him on a, in a points situation. I, I would favor him over RJ Hampton because it is just easier to, to hit value when you're getting more assists. But we'll keep watching Orlando. New Orleans got blown out in Brooklyn. Not much to take away from this ball game. Uh, Brandon Ingram was still out. James Johnson got another streaming opportunity. Just couldn't get a shot to drop her. This really could have been a big game for James Johnson. Six boards, six assists, seven points, but just uh, a paltry two for 12 from the field. No massive adjustments on the New Orleans side. Bruce Brown had a weird explosion game. Can't really put a finger on why that night was the one, other than the Pelicans being truly horrendous on the defensive side of the basketball. Kyrie Irving, good. KD came back, was perfect. Five for five from both the field and the free throw line. And guys just didn't have to play that much. You know, they wiped him out early. I do think LaMarcus Aldridge probably holds fantasy value. As much as I clowned on Aldridge and Blake Griffin for their inability to play much defense and create harder games for Brooklyn, with KD back, like, they're, they're just such insane... The, the firepower on that team is crazy. So Kyrie, LaMarcus, KD, Joe Harris, those are the guys you're rolling with right now, and I wouldn't go any farther than that. New York at Boston, I don't give a crap about the Boston side. Tristan Thompson came back and was actually decent, but you're not picking him up. He'll be coming off the bench behind Robert Williams. At least that gives them a another center. So the Time Lord, who generally didn't in this ballgame, but generally gets himself into foul trouble, they've got other opportunities. New York was the side we were paying attention to. What did we learn? Nothing. We learned that Reggie Bullock probably belongs still in kind of the streaming department because if the three-pointer is not dropping, then he could lose playing time. We learned that Nerlens Noel is still the starting center on this team, even if Taj Gibson pushes him for minutes most nights, but not all. We learned Derek Rose still most likely isn't fully healthy because in 26 minutes before COVID, he would have hit value. In 26 minutes now, he just doesn't have that spring back yet. But keep a close watch on Rose, because he's the guy that likely jumps up and over the cut line at some point between now and the end of the year. I just don't know when, because we're talking about something we have very little data on. If you're looking at someone like a Michael Porter Jr. or Josh Richardson in Dallas, I mean, even Jason Tatum in Boston, these guys coming back from COVID, it's taking them a long time, especially the Carl uh, Anthony Towns is just now seeming like he's getting back to normal. When the hell was he out? A month ago? More than that? I've lost track of time. So, you know, Derrick Rose went out uh, around the All-Star break. That's about a month ago. He's been back for, what, a week, week and a half? I mean, I think we're still probably talking another one to two weeks before he starts to play like himself again, but... I think he's going to get dropped in a bunch of spots because he's not putting up good numbers. And then it's going to turn. Be ready. I don't know what happened to Dallas in this ballgame. They just took a nap. It went for a doze. Lost in Houston. Yeesh. Ugly. Dorian Finney-Smith is on a weird little push right now if you want to ride that streaming hand. But that's uh, probably not something I'm doing. Josh Richardson was awful. Went 0 for 9 and we can downgrade him. Let's put him back in the streamer department. He's probably not someone you have to play every single night. Houston side, Kelly Olenek is a revelation, man. He can be a top 50 fantasy player the rest of the way. Really. Jay Sean Tate slowed down a little bit. He'll be fine. 
Houston has now settled into a pretty predictable starting rotation with John Wall back. For how long, we don't really know. Wall had one of his best games of the season here on Wednesday night. But Wall, Olenek, Wood, Porter, Tate start the five starters. Easy for now. Probably won't last forever. Memphis beat Atlanta. Blowout. I mean, the Hawks are pretty shorthanded right now. They were without Capella, Gallo, John Collins, Cam Reddish, and DeAndre Hunter. They basically were missing an entire starting five, effectively. I would argue, and someone, you might fight me on this because Bogdan Bogdanovich is not a terrible basketball player. He's fine. But it's possible that the Hawks are missing their second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth best players right now. Trey Young's their best player. Fine. Uh, But I would argue Capella, John Collins, those guys are probably numbers two and three in whatever order you want to put them in, or most impactful, if not best, by whatever standard you want to call a best player. And then fine, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Bogdan Bogdanovich, those guys might get all thrown up in the wash, uh, or thrown together, I guess I should say. But I think Hunter was probably better than those other two guys when he was right. So fine, Uh, say their second, third, fourth, and sixth and seventh? I don't know. Whatever. That's pretty shorthanded. That's the point. And if you're yelling at me that Kevin Herter is better than Cam Reddish, well, I don't have the patience to argue either side of that. Fine. I'll just say fine. Whatever. Doesn't matter for my argument here. So anyway, what does it mean? Well, if Capella and Collins miss another ball game, uh, Okongwu's probably a pretty good streamer in that spot. He played 32 very solid center minutes in this one. Uh, I wouldn't trust Herter as far as I can throw him. I don't much appreciate his fantasy game. He's sort of that traditional shooting guard fantasy game and doesn't shoot enough for it to hit marker. So Okong was the guy, if we can find out in advance, and probably throw him on the, the short list here. Just while, when you finish up the podcast, I don't think you're going to have to rush because most people are like, well, Capella's probably coming back soon. And you're right, Capella probably is coming back soon. But you know what? Like, they might go easy on him. Atlanta's pretty firmly in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, so if they need to give Capella a week off, I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Call it 20% chance. Then, yeah, I mean, throw throw this dude in there, get yourself a double-double with a block or two for a, a ball game, and then move along. Tis the year of the stream, after all. Uh, let's see, what do we got on the Memphis side? Slow-mo was good. JV was good. Jaw was fine. Oh, man, Jaw. Tried to save you guys on that one. I really did. They really had four guys in this one where you could... And and maybe every night, maybe I should be a little bit less hard on the Grizzlies. They basically have four guys you can lock into time every night. Slow-mo, JV, Ja, and Dylan Brooks. Those guys are going to play minutes. The issue is, where does the rest of it go? Last night, Grayson Allen got hot. Had 30. Yeah, big one for Grayson Allen. Which meant that... Uh, Desmond Bain, who he was splitting some minutes with, didn't get to do very much. And then no one else was really even close to being on the radar of recent ilk. Uh, Don't know when DeAnthony Melton's coming back. Presumably, Grayson Allen is a stream-worthy player. I I know that if Bain was playing better or if Allen was playing worse, they slip into more of a 24-24 timeshare. But if Allen is decent to good then he gets these starters minutes right now. So go ahead and throw him on your streamer list for the the day also. Charlotte beat Oklahoma City because OKC is in full tank mode right now. Pokashevsky, Theo Maladone both had pretty good games. Poku 
and you know he'll he'll fluctuate. He has these big ones where he explodes every once in a while. He's probably you know we can go ahead and call him a streamer for now. Hey, that's fine. I'm good with that. Moses Brown five and ten, two for eight shooting, one for three from the free throw line. Again, I stress. I hope you guys moved him after that 2020 game. You're not going to be able to right now. He's outside the top 200 over the last two weeks because uh, he's just brutalizing teams with percentages, and uh, those matter. They matter. He's still worth rostering. He's still the starting center, and he's still playing his 25 to 30 minutes every game, but it's, you know, NBA pops you in the mouth every once in a while, and that's kind of what happened here. Maladone, to me, is more streamer-level He's a little bit sub-streamer level. This was a really big ball game for him. And, you know, it's good that he was willing to actually do some usage. Because that was kind of our beef with Maladon before, is that he wasn't willing to shoot the ball even when he was open. Well, luckily, OKC's just benched everyone, or they're all hurt, or whatever you want to believe at this point. But Baisley being out, Dort's out, Shea's out, Horford's on perma-rest. They've just said, the hell with it. So at this point, Maladon's out there going, you know what, I probably should be the guy shooting. He'll kill you with his field goal percent, um, but he is doing enough in some of the other things that I think you could probably... Ah, oh man, it does make me very nervous to say it out loud, but I think you could probably stream Maladone, and it'll probably be okay. I mean, that's a not exactly a glowing endorsement. Dude doesn't get any steals. He's outside the top 180 even while he's scoring 20 points a game because of high turnovers and low defensive stats. But I think you can probably weather that storm, provided the field goal percent knock doesn't hurt you too much or the turnovers don't hurt you too much. Because you kind of cover the steals thing in some other way. So call Poku and Maladone streamers. Moses Brown, I'm probably putting Moses on my bench for a game or two just until you know he can adjust whatever it is, his body, his, the way he's playing, He's not in foul trouble every game, only some of the time, so I guess that's something. Charlotte side, they're missing a lot of guys right now. Uh, Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington, uh, Miles Bridges right now because of all the injuries, obviously Terry Rozier. Those guys are all over the cut line, pretty easy calls for those four names. The slightly less easy calls come in the form of Cody Zeller and Jalen McDaniels. So let's talk about each of those two guys. For one, uh, Bismack Biombo got himself a DNP in this ballgame, and it wasn't part of a back-to-back. So if you're wondering if they were just, like, resting Bismack for some reason, they weren't. Uh, so, you know, let's file that in our in the Rolodex of information. Also, on the Jalen McDaniels front, not, not to be confused with Jaden McDaniels out in Minnesota, the 32 minutes kind of came out of nowhere. The Hornets decided to go small. They might consider it a victory, although they beat a team that's actively trying to lose ball games right now. Um, Jalen McDaniels had barely played 32 minutes the entire season prior to last night. That's probably not fair. He's played like 250 minutes this year altogether. All told, uh, he played 16 in the previous game, the blowout loss in Boston. I'm not convinced that he's just magically going to play 32 minutes a night going forward. I'm just not. I'm not convinced. I need to see it again. I know he's probably going to get picked up before that happens. But it was interesting to see Charlotte go to just a nine-man rotation. Not that they had many other guys to use. I think you'll see more Brad Wanamaker on some nights, more Caleb and or Cody Martin on some nights. You might see uh, 
less of some of these guys like McDaniels, but I get it. Like, if you want to pick him up and just see what the next game looks like, you could pick him up. If he's terrible, then you drop him. Um, and with Hayward and LaMelo Ball both out for a little bit yet, this if this thing sticks, it wouldn't be the world's shortest stream in the world. But they're kind of forced to go small right now. Um, so Cody Zeller is, is in the mix because they may be forced to give him starters minutes. I just, I don't think you'll end up really kicking yourself all that much if you miss out on like two weeks of a Jalen McDaniels surge or a Cody Zeller surge. This isn't one of the ones where you're like, ah, I missed out on the next great thing. Well, maybe you miss out on a pretty good streamer. That's pro- kind of the worst case scenario. You miss out on a good streamer for a couple of weeks. So keep an eye on it. I think in a lot of leagues, you could probably just let Charlotte play one more game or even a half of a ball game the next time they're out there, a couple of days from now, and then make your call. San Antonio, Denver, nothing. Nothing of note. This ball game was noteless for me. Yeah, looking through it again. Nothing. Denver's cutting Gary Clark, by the way. That's probably their closest thing to a note in this ballgame. Fun, I know. Utah, Phoenix, overtime. Suns got the victory. Chris Paul was great. DeAndre Ayton was actually quite good. He's uh, very slowly worked his way up the board. Uh, He's still number 65, on a per-game basis at 9-cat. And that's not going to change very much because we're now, you know, more than two-thirds of the way into the season. But at least after being in the 75-80 to 80 range for a couple of months, he's been more like a 40-50 to 50 range guy last month or so. And if you drafted him at 20, 40-50 to 50 is kind of stomachable in a way that 80 really isn't. The free throw percent has trended up for Ayton. We knew the field goal percent was going to be great. You play alongside Chris Paul, you're probably going to shoot relatively well as a big man. Uh, only other footnote on this game, really anything going on in this ball game. Uh, Mike Conley probably going to sit out on a back-to-back on the Utah side, and Cam Johnson saw big minutes because Mikael Bridges picked up five fouls in 20 minutes and had himself a near Tony Snell. Did have three rebounds and a steal, though. So uh, Cam Johnson, your bench winner of the evening thank you to the man in front of him for picking up fouls too fast memphis played yesterday probably time we talked a little bit more about him this right here is a long time coming i have questions i have concerns i have rants i've probably done a few of those on air and i'm joined with a man who watches the team regularly that much of my ire focuses on that team of course is the memphis grizzlies and the man is my buddy david williams he's the host of hoop ball grizzlies podcast he is on twitter at d will 2111 d w i l l 2111 the podcast of course is the hoop ball memphis grizzlies podcast that's very easy to find at hoop ball grizz is where you can find all the podcast releases david good day to you sir i have issues Man, I, I think that you are probably in a long line among people that have issues. <laughs> Please explain to me. Okay, so I'm just diving right into this. I'm going straight to the hot button issue for fantasy players this year, and that is, what's the deal, man? Like, why why do the Grizzlies insist on playing 
everyone that's not... Okay, Ja, JV, and Dylan Brooks seem to have their minutes pretty well carved out, and then everyone else is going to fluctuate between 14 and 25 on any given night. Do you see that changing anytime soon? Uh, I Jaron's going to be back soon, so the names are going to change, but I don't think <laughs> that the, uh, the, the rotations are going to change any. Early in the season, Jenkins committed to a 10-man rotation, and like clockwork, it's a 10-man rotation, unless it is a dominant victory or an absolute blowout on the other side. It's a 10-man rotation. Mm. Well, I guess it's sort of working. It's working for the team. The Grizzlies have been decent enough this year. Some good stretches, some cold stretches, as a lot of teams are sort of prone to. There are a couple games over 500 as of us recording this podcast. Uh, We're recording before the Grizzlies game on Wednesday evening, so there may be some small adjustments there. But... um, yeah, I mean, from a from a complaining standpoint, I'm guessing fantasy community complaining a bit more than reality at this point. Am I right there? Uh, no, it, it's really it's fairly balanced. You really, see maybe a little bit more from the fantasy community, but you know, if you watch the games and you see what these guys are doing, and, and you know, the the golden child of Hootwall for the Grizzlies, DeAnthony Melton. <laughs> yes, he that, is. That is like it, it's on both sides. He comes in when he's on the floor, he produces, he does, he makes winning plays and he does everything right. But for some reason, he's not Grayson Allen. And so Jenkins is just like, oh yeah, you know, you don't really need all those minutes. We're going to give them to Grayson. Okay. So explain that to me a little bit more because I don't watch every Grizzlies game. I see some of them. I oftentimes check box scores after quarters at halftime, end of game, all that kind of stuff. And I've caught a few Melton stretches and he looks electric. He seems faster than most of the other guys on the floor when he's playing. He's hitting threes. His defensive stats are fantastic. This, again, sort of, I know I'm veering a little bit more into the fantasy side. He passes the eye test, but then he gets these. He gets his minutes yanked around. So for me, someone who can't watch every Grizzlies game, my first thought is, why is this player in the doghouse? What is he doing that's that's putting him in that spot? And, you know... I've watched some Chris Boucher games. To use an example in Toronto, he's generally in the wrong spot on defense. So he gets these fantasy stats, but he's missing assignments. Is that happening with Melton, or is it really just like a, you watch this game, you're scratching your head, why is he coming out after eight minutes? We don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a head... Like, so, Jenkins, his rotations are very methodical. Like, it's... At seven minutes, he's making a change. Guys are coming in and out. You're moving people around. And, and it's a right around that same time window every game. He's moving, you know, if it's Brandon Clark, DeAnthony Melton, Desmond Bain, whoever's coming off of the bench, the timing is almost identical every game. Um, you know, the rest periods for Ja, it, it's almost a fault because there'll be times that he will have a lineup in the game and they're just getting throttled and he won't make changes. Mm. It, it's, you know, oh, well, you know, we're, we're just going to stick with the rotation. And he's not those words exactly have not come out of his mouth, but that's just been from what we have seen this year. That's what they've been doing. You know, even when this lineup is getting hammered by the other team and they're falling behind, he's just leaving them out there. As far as why that's affecting DeAnthony Melton, Melton from what I have seen is not doing anything. And, And there's no, there's no real explanation as to why 
Melton is getting the, the lower end of the minutes other than, you know, the best that I can come up with is that there's some sort of, of disconnect there or some sort of infatuation with Grayson Allen between, you know, for Jenkins. I don't, you know, Melton's personality doesn't seem like he's one that would cause problems in the locker room to where there would be like, you know, like him and Jenkins are button heads and there's not been anything from any of the media members. Nobody has leaked anything like that. So it's really just a, a guessing game at this point, as far as why we are where we are with this rotation. Do you think they tighten things up at all in this stretch run? Grizzlies are currently the eight seed, which puts them in the play in tournament. Would they go to a tighter rotation down the stretch? You would think, but you know they, they labeled the season a developmental season right off the bat. Like before they ever played a single game, this is going to be a developmental season. That's what what you got from the front office. And so some of these things that you're, you're watching and you're seeing these guys getting minutes that maybe you're not necessarily earning them, um, I think it has to do with that. I think that the players are in a spot where they want to win. win. Dylan Brooks is a guy that has said, you know, or I want to say it was first or second interview. Somebody asked him a question about the playoffs and, and he's like, hell yeah, we want to make the playoffs. So the players are, are all in on it. The front office and the coaching staff based off of rotations and things that they're doing it, it doesn't really look like it. And that's not to say that they're tanking, but some again, when I go back to what he's doing when he's got a lineup out there that's just getting hammered, not making those changes, it feels to me like it's not a big deal for him because, you know, it's a developmental season. We're not really if we make the playoffs organically, okay, fine. If we miss it, we're in the lottery. Maybe we get lucky and get up top and get one of those, you know, the, the franchise players out of the top of the draft. And and that is that's all speculation, but hmm. based off of the body of work for the season, that's kind of what it's pointing to. Okay, so I'm gonna. I, I've been. I don't want to say that I've been trying to tiptoe around making this a full fantasy discussion, but you, David, you happen to be quite good at fantasy sports, so it's a nice crossover where we can talk to you about this team and talk fantasy. Uh, so let's talk Jaron Jackson Jr. because he's was supposedly out for only a uh, they they said a relatively short term. Most people that listen to this show know that I yell at people not to draft injured players, but it sounds like they want to get him back before the playoffs. Is this someone that you would consider picking up in fantasy, or do you think it's going to get pushed right up to that last stretch and then you kind of lose the appeal there? So I I actually have him in a couple places. I made one trade thinking that he was going to come back sooner. <laughs> I'm going to call you a I homer for that, by the way. That's a homer play right there. You know, I I, uh, it, I didn't – the guy that I gave up, he wasn't really in my lineup, so I wasn't given really anything up to get him. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to – I'm going to see where we're at. I'm going to see what happens. But I think that when he does come back, that his minutes are going to be limited. They, they didn't do that. Justice Winslow – when he came back, we were thinking minutes restriction and he came out, didn't really have, he wasn't playing a ton of minutes, but it wasn't like, you know, okay, 15 minutes and then he's gone. And everything that you hear them talking about, what little bit that you do get is they want to make sure that he is 100%. So I'm not going to make any big moves to go and get him right now. I'm concerned of what kind of production you're going to get. There's going to be a level of rust. He hasn't played since the bubble last year. And so there's going to, you know, it's going to take him some time to get back into game shape. 
I do know what he's capable of. And I think head to head, it would be very hard for me to go out and get him. But in, in a, in a nine cat games cat format, I think that if you have a spot on your bench where you can kind of store him, you may get some value out of him close to the end of the season when you really need that push. And his defensive stats are going to be good enough. Like if that's an area where you need to improve and that's where my team needed to improve. So that's why I made the move to get him. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not going out to give up anybody that's producing in my lineup to get him. I want to circle back to Melton for one last question before I let you go. Uh, And then we want to make sure we can tell people where they can listen to the podcast as well. Uh, Because you also have a new co-host, which is pretty cool. I think we can uh, tease that here at the end of this one. Um, On the Melton front, what do you think? And this is, listen, like this is ballparking it a little bit, but you're, you're, tapped in you're you're in tune with this thing i know he's hurt right now by the way thank you for alerting me to that fact because that actually wasn't listed almost anywhere that he got rolled up on in uh, in that last game before uh, he had to sit out now a couple um let's say he comes back healthy in the next week i don't know what do we whatever the timeline happens to be is is he really stuck at 18 19 minutes there, is there any chance it gets higher than that or do we need to just accept it at this point and stop worrying I would say for this season that that's going to be what it is. That That's my guess for it. Oh, you know what? I'm jumping I, in there because you, you gave me an opening. What about the future? Are, are they going to thin the herd a little bit? What, how do you fix this situation? It's really that Isaac and I, which Isaac Simpson, he's our, he's a new co-host uh, with me on the show. Awesome, by we, the way. We discussed this at length, and they really have a log jam in the wing position. You You have guys, you have... You know, Jaron is coming back, but you have Kyle and Dylan, Melton, Grayson Allen, Desmond Bain, and all of these guys are NBA rotation caliber players that deserve to be out there getting minutes. With Jenkins saying, I'm doing a 10-man rotation, and he's sticking to that, there's going to be an odd man out. Don't know what they're going to do in the offseason, but a lot of Grizzlies fans, because the Grizzlies have needed a – wing that can uh, get his own shot and be a secondary playmaker for a long time. They're looking at wings in this draft. And I'm like, man, that's not what they should target because they have five or six guys here that are more than capable. I hope in the off season that a couple of these guys are packaged to maybe move up in the draft or to go out and get a guy that you like for the long term for this team. Because right now, with the level of talent that they have at that wing position, there's going to be a guy sitting on the bench. If they go into next season with the exact same roster minus one person gone and the draft pick that they pick up, if that's all the changes they make, there's no telling. We're probably dealing with this same situation Mm. next year because there's just not enough time (laughs) don't don't tell me that you're you're breaking my heart here david uh again talking to david williams host of the hoopball grizzlies podcast d will 2111 d will 2111 on twitter check him out immediately david give me a minute or two uh where can people find your podcast tell me a little bit about your new co-host uh this is this is your opportunity to shill a little bit for what you got going on so um, Isaac had been kind of, uh, he would pop uh, in and out here and there, and he was filling in quite a bit. Uh, my former co-host just had a lot of junk going on, couldn't be there all the time, and Isaac was fantastic. Isaac actually covers 
the uh, the Tigers, the University of Memphis. The, That's awesome. Their sports, and um, you know, so just from interaction on Twitter, one day I, I sent him a message. I'm like, hey man, you know, I, I cover the Grizzlies. Would you like to come on? And we just kind of built the relationship from there, and it, it's been great. You know, when when I asked him about being, you know, more of like a full time co host, he was all about it. He he loves the Grizzlies. He's very passionate about it. And, uh, you know, puts in the time and, and that is, uh, it's great. You know, it, I think a lot of people look into podcasting and they don't realize how much time is involved mm-hmm. in, uh, in, you know, being able to, to provide good content. And that's uh, when you have two guys that are putting in the time, it definitely makes the show easier. Love it. But love as far it. as the, the, uh, the podcast, you can get it anywhere that you get podcasts, iTunes, just search Hootball Grizz. Um, Actually, I got on my wife's phone and subscribed the other day because I'm like, I wonder how easy it's going to be to find it. <laughs> and I, I actually I typed in Grizzlies podcast and we were doing pretty good. We were not the top show, but we, you know, we were up there. So it's it's easy to find anywhere that you get your podcast. Go and search for uh, Memphis Grizzlies podcast, preferably Hoopball Grizz. Yeah, we'll there you right go. There. I love it. At Hoopball Grizz. If you want to follow the team feed on Twitter. He is again at dwill2111. David, thank you so much. I'm sorry that uh, we didn't have more time. We'll do this again soon though, I promise. All right, sounds good, man. I appreciate it. He is David Williams. He is going to keep us sane as we track the Memphis Grizzlies and also frankly keep us pragmatic as we track the Memphis Grizzlies going forward. That was my good buddy, David Williams. We'll get him back here on the show if anything changes out of memphis maybe when jaron jackson jr gets announced to get him on here and he can pop a bottle of champagne live on the podcast <laughs> he's at d will 2111 on twitter and this is a pretty good opportunity to remind you guys look david uh wasn't always the host of a memphis grizzlies podcast the way he became such a host was by shooting us a note at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Yeah, you see what I did there? I pivoted into a recruiting pitch. Uh, we're looking for you guys. If you want to make something special, hit me up. We're looking for DFS contributors, full season contributors, and screw it. We'll look for team coverage folks as well. You can also email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com if you got to get in on that one. Uh, shout out today to our buddies at manscaped.com, the lawnmower 3.0 they sent me one. They sent me a lawnmower 2.0, actually, when we started with them a year ago. So that was before they came out with the new one. I am thrilled. Dude, the new one is sweet. Uh, by the way, use coupon code HOOPBALL20 when you check out there. Make sure, definitely use the damn coupon code. For one, it lets them know who sent you. And two, you get 20% off in free shipping. So you'd be a maniac not to use it to save money in two different departments. Like, if you're getting a lawnmower 3.0... You use that coupon. I think it saves you like 20 bucks. That's a big deal. By the way, uh, again, just to finish the thought that my brain started but then couldn't finish 20 seconds ago, that lawnmower 3.0 is sweet. That thing is awesome. The built-in LED is so cool. I, it's such a simple idea, and yet hadn't been done. The pinch-free technology, they've had that since the beginning at manscaped.com. That is uh, perpetually great. Because no one wants to get pinched. I don't care what you're shaving. You don't want to get pinched doing it. But the LED is so useful. Illuminate the hairs you're trimming. Actually see what you're doing. Because it's not easy. Like, when I try to shave my neck, 
or my sideburns, I have to move where my glasses are on my face so that my eyes are actually looking through a part that that makes my neck look clear. This becomes, this is actually helpful. So then, like, my head blocks the light, or I have to pivot my head so that there's light coming, and it's under my chin, so there's really almost no way to illuminate it until now. Lawnmower 3.0. 90-minute battery life, waterproof technology, pinch-free, and a built-in LED in the front of the, the trimmer, so it shoots right where you're trimming. Manscaped.com. Good company, good product. Coupon code HOOPBALL20. Check it out now. Here's a little look ahead, friends and confidants. A little look ahead to a uh, another medium-sized Thursday. They haven't left us with those, like, three gamers on Thursdays this year, probably because everybody's got to jam 72 games into four and a half months. Lakers are in Miami. Uh, heat favored by nine in this ballgame. Very low total. So the expectation is that the Lakers are not going to score any points. And might be right. Andre Drummond set to make his Lakers debut. That's probably not going to go all that great, but we'll see. Uh, if you have Lakers, you can probably still start Dennis Schroeder. I'd be pretty nervous about starting anyone else. Besides Drummond, I guess you can throw Drummond out there, although I don't know if there'll be any restrictions on him. Miami side, they're working Victor Oladipo into the mix. Duncan Robinson's played well lately. You got him back up and over the cut line last three, two or three weeks. But uh, nothing earth-shattering on the Miami side. Chicago, you know, you're really just tracking Larry Markinen at this point because Thad, Vooch, Levine, those guys are obviously in. Sato probably in, a little bit closer to streamer level. And then what is Markinen? Is he streamer level? Is he below that? Is he slightly above it? There isn't a whole lot of wiggle room for him if he's playing 22 bench minutes, but we do want to know what he's become. The Raptors, they're missing a bunch of guys right now. Just, you know, keep streaming Malachi Flynn at this point. And then Gary Trent Jr., who everybody else is higher on than I am, figured that out from the poll we did on Twitter. The where do we differ? Perception. Perception differences. That's how we make trades in fantasy. Cleveland in Oklahoma City sounds like Larry Nance is still out. Uh... We're all just assuming that this is inflammatory bowel stuff, so hopefully he'll be better soon. Pretty crummy to hear about that. He's one of my favorite fantasy players. He also just seems like a really good dude. Just seems likable. He's like always doing things for people and being funny. So that sucks, but sit on him because Nance was awesome prior to this illness, and there's kind of nothing standing in his way. Kevin Love, uh, presumably they'll just, you know, I don't know that his minutes are going to get any higher than 26 at any point the rest of the way, but maybe they do. Uh, this is an interesting one because you've got a Cavs team that still kind of seems to be competing and a Thunder team that mostly seems to have given up. It seems like they're just like, whatever, we need L's. I don't know, man. I don't know. Is this the one where OKC's like, we can steal one? Cavs are a little dinged up themselves these days, but they do at least have... Some offense on that team with Love, Back, Garland, and Sexton. And then Torian Prince has actually been playing relatively well lately. We already talked about Oklahoma City during our, our review portion. Milwaukee is in Dallas. Mavericks favored by two, which makes me think that means there's no Giannis in this ballgame. Uh, it also makes me wonder who's in and who's out on the Mavericks side. So stay tuned to the injury report on that particular ballgame. Detroit, Sacramento. Kings favored by 7.5, and, and they better figure this damn thing out. 
Is there a Delon Wright or Corey Joseph revenge game in the works? <laughs> there actually might be, but no, that was mostly a joke on my part. But actually, there, there might be. There really might be. Detroit is a, a very interesting team to track right now because this is their only non-back-to-back game during this entire week. They have the back-to-back Monday, Tuesday. They have a back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. I want to see what Killian Hayes' job looks like here without a back-to-back on either side. I'd like to see uh, if Mason Plumley is is abdicating his throne in the middle or if they really are just going to go timeshare pretty much the rest of the way outside of the back-to-backs. What is Hamadou Diallo going to look like? Homework. Detroit, Sacramento, your homework assignment for the night. Maybe this is the game where uh, the Kings actually let DeLon Wright play more than 20 minutes. Luke Walton actually gives a crap about winning it all. Portland in Utah. The Blazers, oddly enough, actually have the easier schedule here. Utah back into altitude after their game in Phoenix last night, but they are a lot better at home. Uh... Pretty surprising to me that this line is still at six, considering Utah went into overtime and had to fly back on the back-to-back. This is uh, not much respect for the Blazers, and that freaks me out a little bit. Fantasy-wise, there sort of isn't anything in this ballgame. And then Phoenix, they're on their own back-to-back. They fly into L.A. to take on the Clippers. Like, I don't—these teams are going to be gassed, man. This feels like scheduled loss type of stuff, but we'll see. They might have something left in the tank. Who knows? Clippers, they've been pretty focused lately. They were super focused against Portland in their last ball game. Is this are they kind of getting themselves locked in for a stretch run here? I still don't fully know, but they certainly got a lot deeper. And when Patrick Beverly plays, the team's focus does seem to get better, even if he's not doing that much. He just sort of he's the loud guy on the floor, and they need the loud guy, and now they've got Rajon Rondo as the other loud guy. Those two dudes on the same team. Oh, practices must be very interesting. Not much fantasy-wise there. Clippers now have such a log jam everywhere, aside from uh, Zubots, obviously George and Kawhi, and then lately Marcus Morris has been ever so slightly above the cut line, but you know that one that one could fluctuate given uh, his value is pretty well tied up in three-point shooting and scoring. Probably profiles a little bit better as a points league kind of guy, but he's been good enough lately to actually do it in both. Thanks for listening, everybody. Recruitment! Recruitment! Come on, man. This is a big part of the year. We're in, you know, seasons in a little bit of wind down. Not wind down. We're at stretch run. But just in terms of actual timing, we're in the stretch run, which is also the same as the wind down. Uh, Perfect time to come on in. I say get your feet wet. But if this is something you want to do, this is a beautiful time to do it. It's really hard to do it right at the beginning of the season. That's when things are nuts. Just saying, email me, teamhoopball at hoopdashball.com or shoot me a note at Dan Bespris on Twitter. I am Dan Bespris. Thanks again to David Williams of at Hoopball Grizz. Follow them. Follow the Hoopball Grizzlies Twitter feed, at Hoopball Grizz. And as he told you, go listen to the damn podcast. If you want to know what's going on in Memphis, go listen to his show. That's the Hoopball Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Very easy to find, available wherever podcasts are found. Have a great Thursday, everyone. Tomorrow, we can review. You guys know how it goes. Love those Friday shows. We'll talk to you then.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.